What's up, everybody? How are you? And welcome to episode number 28. Can you believe that we are at episode 28? My beautiful co-host, Jordan oh, McDonald. How could I not believe it? I have to believe it. Uh, you know, my hair has just, it's grown since the time we started this <laughs> it, all those weeks ago. It's like a slow growth thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, slow it's, growth. It's like a copper patina. <laughs> <laughs> it shows up platinum. over time. Do what? I, I prefer platinum, although I am uh, apparently colorblind for saying that. Do you? Are you really? Does no, platinum have know. a patina the way that <laughs> copper has a patina? I don't know. Are we talking about leather and how leather has a patina and that well, but Apple you know, doesn't sell leather products anymore? So like, so the Statue of Liberty is copper. Uh, yes, correct. But it's green because it's allowed to have a patina. And it's very funny. I was talking to a guy yesterday who was like, oh, I have this rat rod and it's got this and this Camaro front end and all this. And it's all this got this nice patina. I was like, by patina, is that a fancy way of saying rust? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he was like, yes, yes, that is exactly what it is. Sorry. Welcome, everybody. This is the Mondo Solution Podcast, episode 28. I am your co-host, one of your co-hosts, Brandon Wood, the other guy right there, that if you are watching on YouTube is Jordan McDonald. Jordan, how are you? Yo, what's up? It's Jordan here. I'm doing great. How are you today? Good. I'm doing well. Thank you. Before we get into anything regarding episode 28, can you believe it's 28 of the Mondo Solution podcast? I would encourage you to do multiple things, but they're very easy to do. The first thing you can do is if you're watching us on YouTube, click that subscribe button and also the notification bell so that you know that this episode is going to hit your inbox every single time. Do that. Number two, if you're listening to us on any podcast, podcatcher, podcast catcher, podcatcher, sure. Whether that's Overcast, Apple Podcasts, for the three of you that do that, although Apple keeps talking about improving it every six months and then they never do. Spotify, Audible, maybe? I don't know. Wherever you're listening to it, please subscribe to this podcast. And we, most importantly, want to hear from you. This is a marketing podcast. We're here to talk about marketing, marketing history, marketing uh, kind of data, all of these things, AI and marketing. We've talked about that before. So we want to know what your experiences are with the things that we have talked about up to now and in the future. So please send us a note by doing by emailing podcast at trimondo.com. Now, full disclosure, Jordan and I are here as part of Mondo, but we're not here to just sit up and pitch you guys. That's not what we do, right? We just kind of marketing enthusiasts and people that are in the space as pros and so on and so forth want to talk about marketing because I feel like that is one of the most, um, the sore spots for, especially for small businesses, but really businesses of any size. It's one of those places where you have to spend money on marketing or you will not make money. It is as simple as that. Now, whatever your marketing is, whether that is network marketing, whether it's digital marketing, whether it's print marketing, it doesn't matter. Marketing is a necessary, some would say evil, but but today I'm very excited because what we're going to talk about is some cognitive biases. And before I get to that, Jordan, do you have anything to add to our um, my clearly verbose and slightly inarticulate intro? Oh, that's nonsense. Both of those things are inaccurate. And I would say you were succinct in the way well, thank you, you phrased everything. No, it's, you're exactly right. You know, I, I will say that cognitive biases occur in day-to-day -day life, whether we realize they're not inside and outside of marketing. And as we come back to so many times, it is about awareness, being aware mm. of the things as marketers, as humans, we have an inclination, a propensity to do mm -hmm. um, and trying to step back give space, like an air gap between in our mind uh, and in our words between what we know to be true and what the reality actually is. Mm -hmm. But you need that distance to see it. So it's all about awareness uh, and just 
being cognizant of what's going on, what you're doing. And I, and I think, <clears throat> I think checking in too, I think that's, that's the other point is that, you know, if it's like gardening or something like that, um, you, people can go and they go, Oh, I'm just going to put fertilizer once and I'm going to put water and it's going to have sunlight and there you go. And that's it. Well, that it's not as simple as that right now, this summer we have these, <clears throat> all these little beetles that are like eating the hell out of my vegetables. It's driving me the insane. The Japanese beetles? The, yeah. But they're, yes, they're like little iridescent bastards yeah, and those ones. but they're like black iridescent because i'm from the south from virginia originally and we had june bugs right the green iridescent beautiful these are those little black Arr! so we put neem oil which is kind of a organic-ish way of getting bugs off your stuff but they the neem oil washes away and they come back so you have to adapt to those things and so in order to do that you have to check back in because if you just check back in after a month of growing vegetables they're going to be gone because these little bastard beetles have just chomped the hell out of your green. Seriously, dude, my rose bush looks like all just the veins of the leaves and no leaf it's in between. Yeah, I get so, the same thing with these, uh, yeah, with these green beans and these tomatoes. It's just yes, it's crazy. They're just eating. So the point being that you have to check in. You have to. You can't just set it and forget it. This is not Ron Papil and his, you know, whatever that cooker thing is where you said, just set it, forget it. No, this is not that. And I think that as a part of that, you have to know what you're looking at. You have to know what the real time data is. So I'll, I'll tell you guys uh, at a high level, I won't get into specifics about, uh, I, well, there's just certain details I can't give away, but I would say this. I've talked to multiple companies. Let's call it a an HVAC company, heating and air company, right? Uh, they're a company that probably does 10 million bucks a year in revenue. They do really well, local business. And they come in and they're like, oh, well, we want to rank for, okay, whether it's ads or organic or social, it doesn't matter. So they go, we want to rank for these keywords, whether that is, again, paid, organic. And I go, okay. So let's look at some data. So we pull up an engine like Ahrefs or SEMrush or something like that. <clears throat> and you begin looking at data that what are actual people searching for? So these are this is a, a service-based business. It's not commercial. I mean, they have a commercial side, but what we're talking about for marketing is marketing services where homeowner Jordan or Brandon might call and go, hey, my furnace is broken. Can you please come fix it? A furnace inspection or AC cleaning or whatever it is the service words are the words that they wanted to rank for were getting like no searches. They were like uh, best carrier air conditioner furnace or something like this. And I'm like, okay, sure. People search for that, but it's like triple the amount of people that search for just plain old furnace repair or uh, air conditioning repair. And then obviously there's combination of zip codes and city names and things like that. Those are the things that I think people are missing because you're biased toward the things that you want to rank for or be found for, I guess would be a better way to say that because not everything is about ranking. Um, the things that you want to be found for versus the things that you will actually get found for. And that's kind of what inspired this in me because we find people all the time that have come up with great work. Listen, if Jordan and, if Jordan and I, with the, the Mondo Solution podcast, if we only said, this is the Mondo Solution, that's it. We just want to be the Mondo Solution. And there was no subtitle or descriptor that said, oh, the best marketing trends in history and, da, 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 and all these things. We would never get found because you know why? There are like three people that are going to search for the Mondo solution. And two of those people are former uh, coworkers that are just harassing you, right? Legally. So um, 
you 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 want to be found for the things that are, people are actually searching for. So where is that crossroads of what you want to be found for and what people are actually searching for? And that is, I think, where the the by setting aside your biases or at least recognizing them um, is super important. I I think that there's this is going to seem like I, I mean no disrespect to anybody by this, but there's a lot uh, to be gleaned from the way that some people approach addiction and you the first thing is to kind of acknowledge that there's a problem right and so you have to have this uh, objective view of self and in the case of marketing you have to and that's a weird analogy but i mean it works in the case of marketing you have to have an objective view of your business the industry what people are actually searching all of these things and rechecking with people like an, a person who is actually managing your marketing day to day and the analytic back end, somebody like Jordan, you have to check in on a regular basis with the person managing that and hope to God that they're not outsourcing their stuff somewhere, that they're actually a person who knows what they're doing, who isn't just buying their their marketing fulfillment from a third party service where you can never actually talk to the person. So uh, I, I just that's kind of what led me to this. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say as co-host, the only reason why I'm here is because of cognitive bias. So many people told me that they thought I had a great voice for radio or a great face. Dang it. <laughs> I had a great face for radio. And so here I am. I believed them and it must be true after all. And as with anything, it's building muscle, checking in. Yep. It's not checking out. It's the opposite. And mm -hmm. The direct correlation to when you know when you're pumping iron out in the mm. middle of the forest and you're making micro tears in all of your muscles and then allowing them time to heal and recover and grow, that's the same as checking these keywords, yes. for instance, in Google Ads for pay-per-click campaigns. You know, I have a new campaign here for a client whom I shall not name, mm -hmm. but on a daily basis, uh, since it's the first month of the setup of the account. I go and I check for search terms. Search terms are what people are actually searching for that have in Google. They've punched in these terms. They've aligned with existing keywords in the account. But so often, uh, the keywords that are matching are not the ones that, that you want to match, right? Uh, this campaign is uh, it's for selling a thing. Uh, but so often the search terms that are aligning happen to be for buying that thing, which is mm. totally the opposite. I mean, it seems like, you know, in the greater realm of possibilities, they're related. People mm -hmm. that are selling, maybe they're also buying. In this case, they're, they could not be more different. And we absolutely do not want to be wasting the client's ad dollars and ad spend on that because that's a totally separate campaign. Mm -hmm. The point is, there's, you know, in this one account, <clears throat> this is just an example. And so many accounts are like this. If you don't check those search terms on a frequent basis, I mean, just the other day I went in, I checked it. Uh, and then for two or three days, I hadn't, I came back, there was over 808 terms that I wow. had to sift through for this one campaign of many, uh, where most of them are actually negative keywords. Anyway, I digress. My mm. point is that, yes, you need to be on top of these things as a marketer, as a person that cares about branding, somebody that's, you know, cares about the company, cares about where this is going, wants to make sure you spend efficiently and wisely, uh, yeah, it's like building that muscle. You just got to keep at it or you're not yep. going to realize the gains that you want. Yeah, 
Agreed. And so we're going to get into an article that um, talks about five cognitive cognitive biases and how to overcome them uh, on landing pages. Um, I will say, I'll call us out now to, to address this at the end after we've gotten into the biases part. Marketing isn't cheap, unfortunately, uh, because it's time intensive. Like Jordan just gave a very, just like a, a, a microcosmic example of sifting through 800 words for one client, for one campaign for one client. That's kind of what those things boil down to. I would say that, and we'll get into this a, a tiny bit more later, but a couple things about that. One, be, you get what you pay for. If you go out and you're the same, the, the same keywords, by the way, the same budgets, they're the same, whether you hire Mondo or you hire somebody else, right? It doesn't matter. The ad budget is the same. You cannot change it. You will not get a deal because the deal is with Google or Facebook or whoever is providing the ads. And on top of that, if you go shopping on price, you're going to get what you pay for. So just just be aware of that um, because I think that that's where a lot of people, will, they go, well, I'm going to come in and I'm going to pay less for this now. And they're not aware of the macroeconomic cost because they're so concentrated on the micro and you also shouldn't be getting like bent over about it either i mean there are a lot of people that charge way too much based on based on nothing because they tell you oh we have a 95 percent client retention rate let me just tell you something guys they don't have a 95 percent client retention rate whoever they are so just be aware that there's a balance in there of doing your research so with and there's a cognitive bias there as well so um this article that we have today, this is from WordStream. Um, and again, it's called it's by a guy named Dan Shewan, S-H-E-W-A-N. Sorry, Dan, if Shuan. I pronounced your name wrong. Shewan? Sure. Whatever. Um, and it talks about uh, five cognitive biases and how to overcome them on your landing pages. So we'll just kind of go through a little bit discover what those are, you know, the, the use. She said, you already know that highly optimized landing pages are crucial to the success of any paid search campaign. However, even the best landing pages don't have conversion rates of 100%. And why? Well, because people are unpredictable. And sometimes consumer behaviors defy all logic frequently <laughs> due to cognitive bias. <laughs> Just saying. In today's post, we're going to examine what cognitive bias is, look at several examples of these behaviors and actions and outline how you, the company, right, or uh, can overcome or at least account for those things with your landing page, pages. And by pages, I think that the cognitive biases around these, they surround any sort of marketing, right? It's not exclusive to landing pages, right? So what is a cognitive bias? Uh, cognitive biases are ways of thinking about and perceiving the world that may not necessarily reflect reality. We may think that we experience the world around us with perfect, perfect objectivity, but this is rarely, if ever, the case. Each and every one of us sees things differently based on our preconceptions, past experiences, and environmental or social factors. But this doesn't necessarily mean that the way we think or feel about something is truly representative of reality. Simply put, cognitive biases are the dis distortions of reality through which we view the world. Um, one of the biggest things I'll point out, bees. When I was a kid, I stepped on a bee. I got my foot, I'm not allergic to bees or anything like that, but it was like, oh my God, it's terrible, it hurts. Now, today, as an adult, and I haven't been stung in years, but I, I could be, um, I have a 
much broader understanding of bees. Thanks to Bee Movie. Just kidding. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but bees are so crucial to our environment that we have out in front of our house a bunch of Russian sage, which bees love apparently. And we have thousands of bees over there. So, but for years when I was younger, um, I was scared of bees, and that's a cognitive bias based around my past history surrounding bees, and and it's very interesting that now. It's kind of like I'm teaching my kids, hey, that can sting you, but we need bees. They're important. This is where our food comes, large parts of our food come from. And it's it's similar with snakes. I'm not, I have a friend, a uh, uh, client, um, who you probably know, Jordan, um, who is big into, actually two, who are big into reptiles, uh, specifically snakes. I'm not a snake guy because I... I don't, you know, like the dog, you can read their face and they show you their emotion. <laughs> Snakes in their cold, dead eyes, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, we have these biases around these things that we don't understand because we have these preconceived notions without any basis in reality um, that help us form those things. So, just saying. <laughs> just saying. I, I'm I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure how much uh, the rest of this article is going to touch on it, but I just wanted to take a step back and say, there's so many things involved with humans, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, there's emotions and then you get this adrenaline, these fight or flight responses to yep. certain things or uh, these serotonin rushes from various uh, sensations, whether it's something um, that you witness, something that you hear, you know, something that you touch or taste. Or, yeah. There are so many things going on and without constantly, which is nearly impossible, if you want to live your life in a, in a meaningful way, it's nearly impossible to constantly be second guessing yourself and what your emotions and your feelings and your subconscious thoughts are feeding into you. However, that being said, there is a time and a place to be more mindful and take time to reflect Mm -hmm. uh, and not just be on, um, not overdrive, but auto drive, you know, all the time. Yeah. Um, would you like to read that next section about landing pages? Yeah. So here we are talking about overcoming cognitive biases with landing pages, and we'll go into some of those biases uh, below. Mm -hmm. Um, so now that we know we're all completely irrational, (laughs) let's look at some of the most uh, common cognitive biases in action and what you can do to mitigate their impact on your paid search campaigns. Of course, you'll be able to take some of this information that you glean and apply it more broadly away from landing pages. It could be ad copy. It could be other aspects of of SEO as well as SEM. Um, But it's worth noting that there is no single definitive list of cognitive biases. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. sure there is multiple. There are multiple lists out there. Um, But new ones, I think, are being developed every day as – People take a new approach to it. But since the term was coined by Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky in the early 1970s, more than 100 separate cognitive biases have been identified or created, perhaps. Or, yeah, I I like identified, yeah. And psychologists continue to explore new behaviors that could be classified as cognitive biases. For marketers, that's us. And if you're listening, that's probably a little bit you, too. For marketers trying to get a grip on consumer behavior, this isn't great news. Obviously, covering how to account for all of these biases with landing pages is impractical, for the purposes of this, at least. We will, however, look at a few of the most common ones and try to account for them with well-crafted landing pages and with an example, I believe. 
It, can I say also, it, it's probably good. So if you're, if you as an individual are looking up some of these cognitive biases, right? So we're going to talk about these five today. Um, it's, uh, one of the things that you should also look up simultaneous to that is logical fallacies because they fall, they're in the same, they're two sides of the same coin. Logical fallacies, again, are inconsistency in our uh, logic, right? And so it's, it's the same exact thing. But I think that having understanding of what those things are is what helps us recognize those and go, hold on, am I act, acting or taking action in this way, you know? I think that's very important. So I just wanted to throw that out there because as you were reading, I was like, oh, you know what? <laughs> it's about awareness. It's, it's about it awareness, is. isn't it? It is. And if we can see patterns in our actions and our thoughts, then we can change them. We have power to change them because it's in front of us, this data. That's right. That's right. Uh, would you like me to take the first one here? Take it away. Right all right Because I'm confirming with you. <laughs> I concur. This is confirmation bias, number one, which is one of the most common cognitive biases. It's confirmation bias is when a person looks for and interprets information, whether it's news stories or statistical data or opinions of others, that back up an assumption or theory that they already have. For example, if you presented somebody with hard evidence that gender bias exists and they are already convinced that it doesn't, they're much more likely to dismiss the evidence rather than reconsider your opinion. Common characteristics of confirmation bias include an unwillingness to accept the validity of evidence that defies a person's previous held, previously held beliefs, placing greater weight or emphasis on, quote, facts that appeal to the person's underlying assumptions to the exclusion of contradictory evidence, Three, actively seeking out information that proves the person's point for selective and often incorrect recollection of events, facts, or statistics. Mainstream news outlets are often guilty of manipulating viewers' confirmation bias. As a result, people don't choose one media outlet over another because of its impartiality or journalistic integrity. They watch the same news channels regularly because their programming appeals to the viewers' preconceived ideas and opinions. This is super key. But the problem is, even within this article, and I skipped <laughs> <Yeah>. over this, <laughs> yeah. they go, Fox Fox News is an excellent example of this. But they're, so WordStream, <laughs> come on, man. You're proving your own cognitive bias. You should have said Fox News and CNN are excellent examples of this. Like this is, this is... <laughs> The hypocrisy of that, this is a great article, but the hypocrisy of that is blinding. <laughs> and I think that <clears throat> what's interesting is that um, cognitive bias could also be, it's like a self-own because it's it's self-gaslighting almost, right? So whatever. Uh, it, it is though, like if you like the color red, you're going to think that a car is better simply because of its color, even though that has nothing to do with the, oh, I feel like it goes faster. Okay, do you? I mean, does does water taste better when it, you know, is completely pure and has the same mineral content and whatever, or it's from that little square Fiji bottle that everybody likes to pay six bucks for? I mean, come on, which way which way is the water better? And kids do this all the time, right? Yes, which but tells a placebo you, effect. Right? If you're if you're an adult acting like a child, maybe back it up a notch. Sorry, what were you about to say? <laughs> no, there is a placebo effect, right? If you buy this red Ferrari and yeah. uh, you believe it's faster, then uh, there's something to be said for for believing that and then 
even if it's false. Uh, I, I know this goes against what we're saying, but in this case with the red Ferrari, you believe it's faster. Who's to say? I mean, yeah, there's signs that will say it isn't just because it's red. It has the same coefficient of drag. It has the same aerodynamic uh, performance as the other Ferrari. That's the exact same make model year trim. Um, but if you believe it's faster, isn't that what matters? It does for you as the individual, but when right. it comes to marketing, it's totally different. Story totally different. It's not about you. It's about your potential clients. And results, right? Exactly. Um, okay. So how can you overcome confirmation bias on your landing page? Well, if you're trying to compensate for confirmation bias when selling to customers, you'll have to make the prospects doubt the strength of their beliefs. One way to accomplish this is by including testimonials from formerly skeptical customers. So I'll say really quickly as an insert, this HVAC company, if they go out and somebody's going, why do I need, so we, there's a campaign and it's newsletters being sent out to people and saying, hey, it's, you know, it's September 13th as we record this. Um, it's now is the time to get your furnace inspected. It's not cold yet, but it's starting to get chilly at night. In in about a month, we're going to have snow on the ground here in the front range, right? <clears throat> in Colorado. So get your furnace inspected now. Well, people are going to be like, oh, this is a BS sales pitch. This is nothing. But then you could have the potentiality of a former customer go, you know, they inspected our stuff last year. And before we turned the furnace on for the first time in the year, they found a crack in the heating element, which could have led to a gas leak once we turned that on and could have led to a lot of, a lot more trouble in our home. So thank you so much, blah, 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 HVAC. It's that sort of thing, right? Reach out to current clients. Ask them if, they're, uh, if they weren't entirely sold on your product or service to begin with. Then ask them to provide details about how they came around. Include specific details such as concerns about pricing, tempting offers from your competitors, and anything else that could dissuade biased customers from converting. Resist the temptation to badmouth your competitors. Jordan and I, we both know people that badmouth other people. And I always like to say, I don't need to tear somebody else down to build up Mondo. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, the proof is in the pudding. And in fact, I've told people, hey, you got a better deal? Go do that. Go work with this other agency over here, but I'll be here in a year when it falls apart. And sure enough, here they come back in a year. So by resorting to the marketing equivalent of a political smear campaign, you're positioning yourself in a negative way, which could actually reinforce the very bias you're trying to overcome. Also, be sure to write in the voice of the customer. Use the same language your prospects would avoid uh, would to avoid alienating them with terms they may not understand. Another tactic you can use to overcome confirmation bias is by offering zero hassle, no strings attached money back guarantee. One identity theft prevention service, LifeLock, does this incredibly well with its $1 million guarantee. Real, I, there's a apocryphal <laughs> example about that guy. You know yeah. the thing? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> the, the founder of LifeLock put his social on like trucks and would drive it around. And then I don't... I don't know that he had his ID fully stolen, but there were like thousands of tries to do it. So it's very funny. Um, <laughs> realizing that some customers might be negatively biased about the effectiveness of identity theft prevention services, LifeLock goes one step further than the com uh, competition by offering up to $1 million in legal assistance, provided investigation service, provide private investigation services, and anything else you would need in the event that your identity is compromised while subscribed to their service. This not only offers customers a considerable financial safety net, it also speaks volumes about LifeLock's confidence in its services. There you go. 
<laughs> yes, yes. I, and I'm thinking about LifeLock here, and that's their approach to overcoming yep. that confirmation bias, right? That they're offering something that jars you out of whatever rut you may be in as a potential customer yep. of a uh, a service such as this, an identity identity protection service. Um, you know, I think uh, this is kind of a transgression, but so often, you know, I just got a letter in the mail from you know some some entity, uh, and they said, "Oh, you know, guess what? We suffered a data breach." Uh, so sorry, uh, but here we'll give you a year's worth of identity protection from yeah. some companies. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> and it's totally different, right? In this case, they're trying to cover their rear ends, mm -hmm. uh, and really, is that really going to help me at all? I don't know. Maybe it's helped somebody. I, I think it's dubious at best, um, but they they have to do it. Uh, but but that's different. They I have no choice. They made a mistake. I really don't have any repercussions. Uh, but on the flip side here, when you're actually in the shoes of, Hey, I have money, I want to spend it. I'm looking for this product or service. Uh, you know, I'm expecting one thing, uh, and, and, uh, yeah. And leading to another, right. It's, it's what I'm trying to say is, right. If you say, let's take Jordan's pencils, for example, mm -hmm. right. And I have these pencils. Uh, I know that. When I want, when as the maker, the proprietor of Jordan's pencils, I want people to find my pencils for how amazingly textured their shafts are mm -hmm. and how much detail we went in um, uh, with with the coloring. But, <clears throat> um, but really, uh, what am I? <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this example. <laughs> well, I think you. so. I, I, I think that what all this boils down to is so. Let me let me say something real yeah, quickly. Please. As you were saying this, I was thinking about the guarantee piece really quick, and a way to overcome that. But there's there's almost something in that. So I think that really what it boils down to is being transparent with people. So if you're, I I used to know a company that would say, well, we're going to unorganically, purely organically, we're going to rank you for. Um, you're going to have X number of words in the top 10 of Google. Let me tell you something, kids. There is no way to guarantee that. And number two, they would say, we're going to rank X number of high quality keywords in the top 10 of Google. And it was like, okay, well, what does high quality mean? There's that. Um, and then how are you going to prove that? Uh, and you need to have multiple sources because anything can be gamed. I think that it's understanding those things so that, and, and by the way, it's saying that if you go, well, we have this guarantee and I think they did this in Tommy boy, right? And it, you have this guarantee. People are just going to say, well, why are you guaranteeing it like that? If you're not expecting some sort of challenge to that, I think really the way that it is helpful is to bring people along for the ride so that they're invested in their own success. That will help to overcome their bias, bias not simply by saying we're trained, because there are so many people that say we're, we have radical transparency and all this BS. They don't have radical transparency. They're saying it so that you don't pay attention, right? It's again, it's another type of logical fallacy. You know, you go, I'm the, where kids do this all the time. I'm the fastest. I'm the strongest. I jump the highest. No, you don't. If you say yourself, maybe you, can convince yourself of it as much as anybody else, but over time, those things will come to bear. Um, having a guarantee will certainly be able to put that up front, 
but the proof is still in the pudding, right? You're st- you still have to do the actual proof of those things and providing transparency across the board. Like, listen, if you this HVAC guy, you can go and find anybody to look at a an HVAC um, or a, a carrier furnace. I'll pick on carrier, but here's why we're better. We are going to come in. We're going to do this service. We're going to check back in th- with you. And you know what else? We live right down the street. We're your neighbor. We know the things that these houses in this climate and this neighborhood all have to deal with. We live in Colorado at 5,000 feet of elevation, roughly where I am. At 5,000 feet of elevation, it's a pretty dry climate. So here are some things that you need to know about this. And you go down those value adds because it that sort of transparency and acknowledgement of where you're the same as the competition and acknowledgement of where you can step up and be better is going to help dispel a lot of those uh, cognitive biases as you go forward. So confirmation bias in this case. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. And I will come around. I'm going to (laughs) do it. I'm going to find an example with Jordan's pencils. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) It might've been the wrong (laughs) bias to choose, uh, but thank you for saving me there. Of course. On to the next cognitive bias, we have the anchoring effect. So sometimes this is referred to as the relativity trap or focalism, uh, not to be confused with folk music, which Mm. is certainly great. (laughs) The anchoring effect is when consumers focus on a single aspect of a product or service to the exclusion of all other considerations. For many consumers, Price is the most important part of the decision-making process, often understandably so, especially in today's financial consumer climate. Mm -hmm. People experiencing the anchoring effect often ignore the potential benefits of a product or service in favor of focusing solely on price. They comparison shop more extensively than other consumers. They actively seek out money-saving deals such as coupons, sales, or other incentives, and they also respond well to ref- to flexible pricing structures, right? Uh, yeah, they're, they're looking for a deal, you know, but they may have blinders on in this case. They're anchoring on the price in this example. They can't see the forest for the trees. That, I, I mean, and it's not, yes, price is a great example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when, when value is present, cost doesn't matter, but the problem is where does the value lie for you? So you pointed a Ferrari earlier, Ferrari, especially when they were, you know, in kind of the 60s, 70s, um, great car, super fast, high performance expensive. So therefore people place value on it as a luxury item. It's like people placing value on the luxury brands. I, frankly, I don't get it why somebody would pay, you know, $10,000 for a Kelly bag from Hermes or something like that. I get it. High quality, all that stuff. You could have the same thing that doesn't have the Hermes logo on it and pay maybe a tenth of what you would pay. Ferrari similar. Simultaneous to that, Ferrari was known for leaking like a freaking sieve and the, their seals would go. And then the problem is you had to replace the seals with all these hand machine copper seals that Ferrari made that no one else in the world, you couldn't go to advance auto parts or O'Neill and be like, I need this. They'd be like, you have a Ferrari, bro. Get out of here. It's going to cost you $10,000 for a washer. Is the value there? Maybe if you're compensating for something, if you're compensating by driving a Ferrari that you think is cool and all this stuff and it's red, which is also part of that, maybe in that case, I'm taking it out of bargain shopping because your value lies with the status of the thing that you have purchased. 
as opposed to the actual performance. And then even of the performance, no one, no one, I would wager, is going to argue the performance of a Ferrari until they're having to replace a head gasket or something like that, which is $20,000 or whatever it costs. That is, I think, where people, it's assigning value in, in a sales process, um, not in the marketing process, but in a sales process, you have, it's part of your job to figure out where the value lies for that person and then speak to that as an authority. That's part of what the challenger sale is about is being able to come into as an, an authority in a particular vertical and say, here is what's going on. Here's what we see. Here's how, how you should approach this. And here's what's different about us and the way that we approach it. I think that that anchoring effect is definitely a relatively a relativity trap based around uh, it go, kind of goes hand in hand with confirmation bias because you go and you drive a Ferrari fast and you go, see, it just beat all these other cars in a drag race. And you go, yeah. And now you got a, you got a leak in your, one of your cylinders and you're like, so, so it's, I find it very interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Two things on the topic, right. As marketers, as somebody who cares, uh, and, <laughs> and I know you're going to interpret that dear listeners, however you will, but I really do care about my clients. And when yeah. I think of them, I'm trying to provide like a holistic approach. We do as Mondo. And I know I'm not trying to hear, be here to pitch Mondo specifically, but what I'm trying to say is that, right? Yes. You typically speaking, people that are looking solely on price. Well, I initially want to say they're not necessarily our customers, but everybody has the potential to be our customer. It, it's it's two things, right? I want to provide a holistic solution where they long-term get the value out of the marketing that they deserve, mm-hmm. that they want deep down. When I think of somebody that is going through an anchoring effect where they're singularly focused on price, say when they're doing a search and they're finding these landing pages, me as the marketer, I have to be creative because I ultimately, I, I want them to get to the point. I have to do a little education and a little uh, guiding to to line up the intent of their search and get them to a place where they aren't just like the example we spoke a few weeks ago, where people are buying Chromebooks, uh, mm. you know, in mass uh, because of the price point, but then months years later they find that they have a hundred of them in a room and they all need service uh so while it may have been great up front to focus solely on price the value wasn't there long term in fact it's costing them more in both man hours and capex um, than it would have had they you know been more thoughtful and or or seen the greater picture there's a lot of variables there definitely Mm -hmm. not calling anybody out specifically Uh, but that this kind of thing can happen outside of the procurement of laptops, it it can happen in any industry. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, again, the, the thing that overrides all of these is that we can escape to whatever degree we can escape biases by taking that objective step, almost an an out of body experience to our thought process. Um, Some, that's why people bring in a consultant because you bring in a consultant to help you make a purchase because you're going to go, well, God, if, if for instance, if you if you're this HVAC company, you go, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I have to spend thirty grand in a year on paying a marketing agency, let's say, which is roughly twenty five hundred bucks a month for their services, and then I have to pay an ad spend of 
probably double that on top. So I'm spending close to 90 grand in a year. And you go, yeah, absolutely. But every one of those leads that's brought in based on that is going to be worth X, let's say. And it's going to bring you a quarter million dollars in additional revenue a month. Who cares if you're spending, you know, whatever you're uh, 7,500 bucks a month all in? Who Does it matter? Because you're making a quarter million dollars in additional revenue that you may have a year before when you had no marketing or no effective marketing. Does it matter? And that's it's an easy place to get stuck up front because you, again, you have this confirmation by, well, the last agency we worked with talked about trust results and clarity and delivered none of that. Great. But now you get into where you are now and you go, don't worry about it. Listen, there's not going to be a contract in place. If it's not performing, let's figure out what works and go with that. And by the way, along the way, and again, like Jordan said, this is not to pitch Mondo, but Mondo doesn't do a contract for this specific reason because it allows Mondo to come in and say, great, this is not working to the optimum degree that we wanted to. Let's pivot over here and try this thing. And you don't have to then turn around and worry about another 12-month contract, which leapfrogs your contract into infinity. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I was just going to say, so, so many businesses um, actively exploit the psychology behind anchoring, getting back to anchoring, mm-hmm. uh, focalism. Uh, particularly restaurants. We love you restaurants. Don't take this Mm -hmm. the wrong way. This is the article. By including a wide range of dishes at varying prices, some very expensive, some much more affordable, they manipulate most customers' tendency to choose the mid-priced option. People do this because they tend to fixate on the relative savings or difference in price between two options, not the actual prices themselves, just the the relativity. Mm -hmm. Although the anchoring effect can present unique challenges to marketers, hoping to overcome cognitive biases with their landing pages. It's a double-edged sword, right? Since prospects experiencing the anchoring effect are only focusing on one thing, it's easier to address and deal with that uh, with their primary objection. Mm. So how can we overcome the anchoring effect? Uh, How can you overcome it on your landing pages? Well, firstly, let's say that for the sake of the example, uh, that your prospects are indeed solely focused on pricing the dollar is king. Now we've established what obstacle you have to overcome with your marketing page, with your landing pages as a marketer. And let's take a look at how you can actually do it first. As Brandon, as you said, it's about being open and transparent, genuinely about the pricing as possible. That not only means uh, actually including pricing information, but putting it on your landing pages too. Don't make a prospect hunt for those details. The longer you make them wait or work for it, the less likely they are to trust your business. Be upfront and put your prices out uh, in the open. Now, I I will say, before I continue reading this, that that can be challenging depending on mm-hmm. uh, the business, the business model. You know, <clears throat> it's not about necessarily being uh, obscure with your pricing, but in so many cases, maybe I'm wrong. Sure, maybe you have package ABC. Uh, and then there's beyond that, a custom package. So many clients for whatever industry you may be in, maybe they don't fit ne- nicely and neatly into any of those, yep. those columns. Uh, so sure you could throw pricing out there with the caveat being that, you know, this, this could change one way or the other, uh, depending on, on your needs. And of course the business has to factor in their costs, uh, and that maybe some of those are non-negotiable 
items on the list of services that they provide for uh, a given bracket. I don't what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's a because I can see where a company comes in and they go, "Oh, I want to know what this costs." And then you look at it and you're like, "Well, how do they know that these are the things that I need?" Um, and in in the example that this article cites, they actually cite the guy the 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 agency giving a range of pricing, which is great. I mean, that works. But quite frankly, I I think that there's something to it. And I think there's, if you talk about pricing, yes, list a range. Don't put a pricing in stone unless you have like a, a pr- you're buying this cup, this cup costs X. It's as simple as that. You don't need to mess around. And you go, well, let's say that that cup is going to be based on the amount of hydration you need. Okay, fine. How much do you weigh? How tall are you? Where do you live? What is the relative humidity in your environment? How much salt did you take in? Because all of these things are going to affect how much you absorb, how many electrolytes you absorb, right? Or excuse me, how much water you absorb based on the amount of electrolytes you've taken in. Have you taken in too much water or too many minerals? Are you going to hold on to water? So it, it it's it's variable. I think again, this this speaks back to the transparency. You go, hey guys, listen. If if you're going to take a test, we know that there's a pretty good chance that you're going to need a number two pencil from Jordan's Pencils because that's what the glorious folks over at the Scantron company told us. <laughs> but what we've also seen is that a number seven pencil will also work because it is it is darker than the number two pencil, which was exactly why, you know, that's why they go for a number two pencil and it's more durable. So we can tell you that based on your needs and the type of Scantron, that this number two will work for most of those, but you may also be comfortable over here with the number nine. These are, and everything in between from a number two to a number nine or seven or eight or whatever I said, they're going to be a range from 10 cents a pencil to a dollar and 10 cents a pencil. So it really depends on what your needs are. And I think that it's a way to be transparent and give some sort of barometer of where people are while still honoring the fact that people to some degree, I do, they want to be treated like a human being. In fact, again, from a, from a sales process, I know people that will just pick up the phone. I know people that don't pick up the phone at all because they're cowards and can't make phone calls, but I know people that will pick up the phone and they go, um, they just talk like they're a salesperson. And that's fine. I mean, they're they're a salesperson, right? But I think it's hyper important and it resonates better with the person on the other end of the phone to speak to them like a human being. Oh, hey, Jordan, how's it going? How are you today? Good, good, good. All right, cool. Hey, uh, listen, this is Brandon over here. I just want to talk to you about this thing real quick. Um, no pressure or anything. Whatever that talk track is, that, that treating a person like a human and like their needs, their specific needs, needs matter in the calculation of their price package services whatever i think that's hyper important and again that resounds back to the transparency that we're we're talking about here absolutely yes Uh, Mm. so i'll take the the second article there or the second paragraph i think we can just skip over but i do want to mention this example uh chicago-based branding agency caliber exemplifies these transparent pricing principles very well unlike many similar agencies that hide their pricing uh, behind, say, free consultations or smoke screens. Caliber openly displays its rate card on its site and even admits that it doesn't work with just anyone. As a one-two punch, Caliber also displays a customer testimonial alongside its pricing information, um, a, a shrewd move, the article says. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Th- this I, this website. Yeah, anyway, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, <laughs> no, uh, no. I was just going to say, I as again, as we just mentioned, I think if you're selling a product, it's mm-hmm. easier to be transparent about surcharges, taxes, fees. I, you know, of course you're going to be transparent about that. I would hope a company would be transparent about those items before allowing a customer to complete the sale. Uh, that being said, yeah, if they're not, that's that's an issue. With services, yeah, it's it's about right. It's about delivering it, what the customer needs, what they're mm-hmm. looking for, and maybe in some cases, what the customer needs and what you can provide as a business and still meet a certain minimum cost, minimum margin of profit. Maybe they don't align, right? And that's yeah. that's possible too. I mean, that's part of the process: being willing to step away when the the fit isn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, on both sides. Um, okay. The next thing up is the ambiguity effect. <clears throat> Although they may not realize it, many customers experience some degree of the ambiguity effect, which is a cognitive biases first identified by Daniel Ellsberg, which is one of the key figures in the Pentagon Papers scandal in the early 1970s. The cognitive bias, this cognitive bias rather, can be uh, best summarized as the decision to favor a choice with a known outcome rather than take a chance on a choice with unknown probabilities. From a psychological standpoint, the ambiguity effect is closely related to risk aversion. Common characteristics of the ambiguity effect include a tendency to favor decisions with familiar outcomes, reluctance to try new things, limited ability to recognize long-term benefits of riskier decisions when weighed against the marginal gains uh, resulting from safer choices. For example, many investors choose to put their money in safer investments, such as government bonds, until today where they're going to get screwed on government bonds. As the perceived return on investment is relatively certain due to the bond's strength and safety as an investment vehicle, just ask Silicon Valley Bank. Stocks and shares, on the other hand, often result in significantly higher ROI, but many investors shy away from these investments due to the unknown or ambiguous outcome of this type of investment. From a consumer perspective, the ambiguity effect can be a powerful motivator when it comes to customer loyalty. Even if a customer is decided dissatisfied with a service provider, the perceived risks of switching to another company are often greater than the potential gains of making the switch. So, I have encountered this recently. So, on the software side, it's very interesting. You go, if you've got two products that do a similar thing, and you go to the client, hey, we can bring you over to a better service, a SaaS product, right? Software as a service product. Um, same thing, way better interface. It's better on all these measures, but the client still is going to go, yeah, but we spent all this time. It's a sunk cost fallacy too. Uh, this is the logical fallacies that I mentioned. They're going to go, well, we spent all these time building out these 100 different workflows or whatever it is. I don't want to spend all that time bringing it over. So how do you overcome that? It's like you have to lower the bar. That's not the right way to say it. You have to, to lower the barrier to entry for that client. So if you could go, hey, person who's built out these 100 automations over here, but there's a better platform over here, we can get you over here and we can get it done. All we do is set up this uh, API connector that essentially imports or ingests or whatever it is, the same workflows, they bring them over here, same processes, and it takes an hour, right? Likewise, with when it comes to investments, in this case, the example they're using, a lot of that is you can still take a riskier position 
let's say, and lower the the sense of risk or the perception of risk by doing a lot of research. Uh, I think, again, this is where that transparency is going to come in. And you say in the marketing space, you go, listen, there's no such thing as a guarantee in marketing at all. Even when you look at something like Google local service ads, where you, they will literally say in your zip code for you on 100 leads a month, here's what it's going to cost you. And they even give you a range. But then you can go, great. Well, I wonder if we catered these keywords or this service here to really, you know, get in deep and, and be found for more things or whatever it is you're going to feel like that risk is lower and lower and lower over time. And I think that that's where it is because the ambiguity, I mean, it's in the title. It's the ambiguity effect. If you can lower the ambiguity by bringing things into a finer focus, by providing more detail, more outcomes, they, they pointed in the previous example to customer examples. Look, here's an empirical example from Bob over here that saw a great outcome from what we were doing. You can lower that ambiguity. There's always risk. There's always risk. I mean, it's very weird. We have this, we have these, It's a, again, it's a logical fallacy or bias around the types of risk we're willing to take. Meanwhile, people are afraid to fly, but it's literally the safest form of transportation. But then you get in a car every day where I don't know how many people die in the US every year, but I know it's way more than airplanes, but we're fine with a car. We don't even think about it. That's kind of the ambiguity there because we're not deeply invested in the research behind those things. We go, oh, shit, I'm in a flying tube 30,000 feet in the air. Yes, but let's look at all the safety precautions around that. So, yes, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've definitely encountered this many times um, personally as, as well as I've witnessed it. And you're exactly right, you know. Here's option A. This is what you've been doing. Option B, the grass is greener. Mm -hmm. You should be doing this. Here's all the reasons why you should be doing this uh, and lowering that that barrier to making that migration, which is a win-win. That's that's the way forward. For As sure. they say, sunlight is the best disinfectant. It, and that is to say that clarity. Um, how can you overcome ambiguity effect on your landing pages to some extent all businesses have to overcome ambiguity effect when attempting to entice certain customers especially startups and new uh, very new businesses that don't have an established reputation one way to overcome this cognitive bias is by borrowing techniques from great faqs and <clears throat> excuse me and incorporating them into your landing pages this has to be done carefully as too much text could harm your conversion rates however by simply including some skillfully worded questions and answers into your landing pages, uh, you could fill the gaps in your prospect's knowledge about your product or service and make your offers seem more appealing. Uh, an excellent example of this principle in action is a landing page for Unbounce's landing page conversion course. It presents a summary of information about the course in a conversational way. What's in the course? goes into greater depth about each one of the course models and includes information on the type of people who will benefit from it. This page is copied, makes the time commitment necessary to complete the course abundantly clear, further reducing ambiguity about the amount of effort involved. It also includes a simple form uh, and strong call to action, essentially for increasing conversion rates, as well as clear direction cues and a clean, appealing design. So, clarity, transparency. Yes. Just yeah. Sorry. No, that's exactly right. You know, if the page, if the landing page aligns, you know, with what the the visitor 
what their mm-hmm. existing beliefs are, uh, <laughs> then they're more likely to, to follow through. They're more likely to be a converter, to yep. be somebody that will ultimately sign up for whatever it is you're trying to, to lead them towards, right? Whether that's the newsletter, which I would consider more of a, a secondary conversion mm-hmm. or something more primary where they're actually performing the subscription action. They're buying the product. They're entering their credit card details. That's what you want, right? Mm. So. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's about, it's about clarity. If, if there are landing pages <laughs> where, where they're not sure what to do, they saw the ad, it aligned with their search terms in the Google search page. They get there and then they're like, what this, what, what do I do? Is this, this was what I, it looks like what I wanted, but yeah. how do I take a next action? Or so often is the case based on their intention, based on what they searched for, right? As we were talking about earlier, people that were singularly focused uh, with focalism on price, right? If, if their intent is to acquire this product or service mm-hmm. at a value, at a deal, a value based on them, what they consider valuable, and they land there and the the wording, the nomenclature, the calls to action don't align with their intent as mm-hmm. a potential client, they're going to drop. You know, they're going to bounce, right? Indeed. Yeah, 100%. So it's, it's about intent and, and tracking your landing pages. Uh, ideally, and so often is the case, you sh- you'll probably end up having multiple landing pages for the same products and services based on the intent of the person searching uh, so that they align with their values and beliefs, no matter, right. even if, even if their biases are quotes, objectively incorrect, they still have them as do we, as do I, but you need to align with them to get them the product or service that they actually still do want. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I again, it's uh, part of that is buying that, uh, luxury label item what's the why? Why are you buying it? You're, you you may be buying it because it's quality, but almost certainly not. You're buying it because there's a label on it, you know? So I think that you have to align with where people are. Be where people are. Meet them where they're at. Tell me about the bandwagon effect, oh, Jordan. do you want to hear about it? Well, since you're on this wagon and there is no <laughs> band, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed uh, because this cognitive bias is closely related to a psychological phenomenon known as herd mentality. Individuals experiencing the bandwagon effect place much greater value on decisions that are likely to conform to current trends or please individuals within their existing or desired. They're moving on up. They're upwardly mobile, peer group. Right. So from a consumer perspective, this can be summarized as making purchasing decisions out of a desire to have and be seen with the next big thing or to increase their perceived social status by owning that luxury Hermes bag that you're speaking of, right? Mm -hmm. Or being the first to have the Apple vision when it comes out and being, having eggs thrown at you in public and you can't see them coming, (laughs) but Hey, that's going to be me. (laughs) And, uh, and it's not anyway. Yes, of course, of course I want to fit in. I think there's a human nature to all of that, but Characteristics of the bandwagon effect from a consumer perspective, again, they include a tendency to overlook product specifications in favor of the design, the aesthetics, how it makes them feel, you know, a willingness to spend significantly more on branded goods 
over unbranded goods from Costco. Uh, you know, a strong desire to fit in with demographics seen as stylish or trendsetting. And often uh, you'll see very uh, individuals being very loyal to a handful of recognizable brands. I mean, there's a reason you're wearing that Nike hoodie today, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're trying to fit in, Brandon. It's because it's um, cozy, bro. <laughs> I have a story about that, but that's for another time. Um, another characteristic of the bandwagon effect would also include significantly more being significantly more likely to evangelize about brands, companies through social channels. Everybody, you should definitely buy the brand new iPhone 15 Pro Max uh, in white titanium. It's definitely a superior product. I have no confirmation bias. I am not employing focalism, but you should jump on the bandwagon. I'm only half joking. <laughs> Are you familiar with Supreme? Yes. Yeah. The red logo. Yes. So Supreme is one of these. Like Apple, I get it. Look, I'm a Mac guy. You're a Mac guy way more than I am. Like um, we're both Mac guys. Like I love my iPhone, AirPods, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, all the Mac stuff. But it does, if, for, if there's a function to it, <clears throat> Supreme just to list off here, I will send you this link so you can see. <laughs> just to tell you a few things that Supreme has, um, let me put this in the chat over here, has sold over the years. There's a Supreme Oreo, which red with white cream, Supreme chopsticks. There's a Supreme brick. Why? Who the hell knows? It's just a brick, a brick, like a red, like a brick with the word <laughs> Supreme on it. <clears throat> Supreme Voodoo Doll, Supreme Dog Bowls. There's a Supreme Cupid figurine. Like, so the question then becomes, why? Like, why? There's a Supreme Air Horn. Why? Why do you need that? What is the purpose? Supreme Binoculars? And there's a Supreme (laughs) Crowbar. Like a crowbar. That just says Supreme on it, but it's red. What are you going to do with that? There's no function. Now, I don't know what that costs, but I can say that you go to Home Depot, you get, excuse me, a similar crowbar for, I don't know what crowbar costs at Home Depot, 20 bucks. You're going to pay like 150 for this Supreme crow. Why? Yeah. And then it's going to get all chipped up and the the logo's going to be gone in seconds anyway. (laughs) <laughs> or it's just going to sit there. And I'm, I may have talked about this when we talked, I forget what we were talking about a few weeks ago. I may have mentioned this. Patagonia. Like, I get it. People call it Patagucci. Don't even, listen, I get it. But at the same time, if you buy a one of the Patagonia ski kits that I have, so like a shell pants, it's for backcountry touring mostly, shell pants and a shell shirt. It's amazing stuff. It's super lightweight, super durable. But it costs around $700 for the pants and around $700 for the, to the jacket. So $1,400 just for a pair of pants and a jacket, okay? But it lasts for freaking ever. It is lightweight. And if it tears, I simply send it to Patagonia. They fix it and send it back for $0. I have to pay the shipping, but that's about it. There's a function. So for me, this is a Brandon thing, like, I don't get the bandwagon effect unless, again, we'll go back to value. If there's a value there, I'm going to do it. If the value is there. And sometimes the value isn't quantifiable on the upfront. 
like a Mac, right? Mac is, unless you have been a Mac person, but if you're like never used a laptop before and you really need one, you're going to go, I'm not ever going to see the value in a Mac. But if you're like a Apple devotee, you're going to be like, oh, no, no. Just the fact that it starts up like that, just the fact that it is right there, I know where everything is, and big secret, all the file structure in all computers is the exact freaking same. So get your head out of your ass, people, about the file explorer and all this nonsense. So it's it's very interesting. The perceived value isn't always upfront. And so maybe it goes with the ambiguity effect, right, that we were talking about a moment ago. Um, it's talking to people who have experienced the dispersion of their biases to say, great, listen, you can jump on this bandwagon. Here's why. I think that's kind of a part of it. Um, conform, sure, but conform because people like a product because it's good, not because it says Supreme on it. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand Supreme, dude. That, okay, go nuts. God love you. I don't get it. I will never buy anything that says Supreme on it unless... <laughs> yeah. Unless it's the same, if you have a water bottle over here that says Poland Spring or whatever, and it's a dollar, first I try not to buy water bottles, but that's a separate thing. And then you have a water bottle over here that says Supreme on it, it's a dollar or 99 cents, fine. But I'm never going to buy, I'm never going to pay $2 for a bottle of Supreme water for 12 ounces where it's a dollar for some. What? What? I don't get it. Damn you, Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> that said it's brilliant marketing whatever yes. yeah i mean it's done. a bias right there right if the marketing the marketing is pervasive you know it, it's almost it's almost like uh anchoring in a different way like if that was mm -hmm. if that if the first object you saw of whatever if it was your first time seeing a crowbar and you happen to see it on tiktok and it was a supreme crowbar you might think oh yeah why wouldn't i buy a supreme crowbar crowbar I don't know what it's good for. I'm just going to mount it on my wall and it's going to be a talking piece for when all my cool friends come over. Great. I guess, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I don't relate. <laughs> I don't relate yeah. either, but, but that's okay. You know, I have to imagine, I have to wonder though, right. If instead of being Supreme <clears throat> as the brand name that they picked, which is really nothing, but them rebranding like other people's things, uh, maybe I'm wrong about this. I, I'll I'll admit that maybe I have a bias, <laughs> a cognitive bias. Uh, but what if they had chosen instead garbage or trash as the word for their brand? Right? Would we? Would we? Would yep. individuals? Would the world at large? Anybody that knows about this uh, still have that same emotional or want to fit in connection with this product if everybody was just walking around with items that said garbage on it. I, I don't know. I think it might have been a harder a harder hill to climb for pervasiveness. Yes. But that's it all. Would have been much funnier. I, I still I still think it's acknowledgement. It's it's like you're saying it's acknowledgement of those biases and kind of stepping past them. Yeah. Like again, all of these come back to I can't hate to keep coming to the same thing. And by the way, in this article it's very funny they have apple water yeah. In the example there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny picture. No, it's it's great. I definitely saved it. It's it's from a like a 2007 version of their website too, which is Obviously, it's built on like the the iWeb <laughs> application. <laughs> I Matt. definitely built some websites on that thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which you can't do anything with. But even this, like even this 
Uh, yes, I, I realize it's my turn to continue this. <laughs> you're fine. You're but, fine. But even I'm just this reading. image, it, it, um, and <laughs> I, for all these, all of those that are watching, you can see it. If not, you can follow it in the show notes uh, if you're listening along. But even even this image, the fact that they put this in there, implies a former cognitive bias. Yeah. Um, right. And and which one? Well, it would be. Right. I think the implication here is that people are buying Apple products specifically um, because mm-hmm. everybody else is buying Apple products and it's like, quote, cool thing to do. However, you know, and I routinely I will I will say that I routinely try to fight my bias for Apple products. I mean, I own uh, a Pixel phone over here. I, I, I could pick it up. It's right here. I have it. This is the Pixel <laughs> 6, 7. I don't know. It's one of the newest Pixel phones. Android, if you're not familiar, all my Apple devotees, as you say, right? I I intentionally try to put myself outside of my comfort zone and say, hey, I know Apple products are superior for aesthetics, for technology, for mm-hmm. vertical integration, and the way they marry all of my other devices together so well. What am I missing? And I try. I actively try to put myself outside of that position and question, question my biases. Um, as I would recommend all of you do as well. But to have the Apple thing up here, I think that just that just shows that, you know, there's a little confirmation bias there as well. Anyway, the bandwagon effect, right? It's it's such a common cognitive bias because of people's deep-seated need to conform and fit in. Um, you know, many consumers' devotion to Apple products is a great example uh, for them. You know, Apple has the kind of following that many businesses are envious of. And through skillful marketing campaigns and very clever branding, Apple has managed to manipulate, that's a strong word, consumers' behavior like few other companies, resulting in overwhelming demand for the next iPhone or iPad, not so much iPad anymore, and the perception that choosing Apple products is a lifestyle choice, not merely buying a new phone. Right, so how do you overcome this, right? If your business operates in a highly competitive or crowded market, the key to overcoming the bandwagon effect is how you frame your product or service. In fact, you may want to view the bandwagon effect as a state of mind you can capitalize on rather than an obstacle. You know, imagery is incredibly important when it comes to promoting, promoting your goods or services. Again, using Apple as an example, the marketing materials for the <clears> iPhone <throat> don't just focus on what it does. They promote an ideal that the iPhone is far more than just a smartphone. It's an indispensable part of your modern digital life. With this Mm. in mind, use stylish imagery to promote your products on your landing pages and heavily emphasize how your goods will enrich the lives of your customers. For instance, the landing page for the iPhone 5S, welcome 2013, uh, leads visitors to a page with a video titled Powerful. In the video, young, attractive people use their iPhones to perform a range of tasks that, in all likelihood, most iPhone users would never bother with, such as using an app as an amp controller for an electric guitar, and the phone itself is a vis- virtual violin as part of an art installation. But that's not what makes this marketing so brilliant. The secret to this video's success is that it sells the lifestyles of the people in the video. It manipulates consumers' desire to be cool, to be in a band, to embark on an exciting road trip to a faraway place. In short, it sells an idealized life that buying an iPhone can help users attain. Uh, Of course, it's difficult for some businesses to effectively emulate Apple's marketing efforts. (laughs) I mean, I would say 
a virtually impossible uh, yep. given yeah they they own that niche <laughs> they own and they have a lot of money however the principles can be applied to virtually any company with a little creative with a little creativity um so there's one thing and hopefully you can help me elucidate this point a little bit mm-hmm. uh, better than I can. Um, we're talking about the bandwagon effect and, and wanting to overcome it. Right. And the bandwagon effect, as we mentioned is when an individual places much greater value on decisions that are likely to conform to current trends um, uh, to, you know, to, to fit in right to uh, yeah. But, why help, help me understand this if you have a product that people want like isn't the bandwagon effect working in your favor i think really the question is how do you come overcome the the bandwagon effect when people aren't trying to clamor for your products and services you're trying to show them hey you don't need to buy an apple product we can give you what you need is that am i interpreting i, f- that I perceive it uh, maybe, but I also perceive it as bandwagon is you're all sitting there doing the same thing. You're all on the same bandwagon. You all have the same product <clears throat> at the end of the day. I mean, marketing is a great example of that. You know, we, you have agencies, they're all selling the same thing. Um, what really separates one agency from another is customer service um, is a human element um, is you know, in some cases where the services are being offshored, you know, for their SEO work is being offshored versus a company like Mondo where everything is in-house. You know, I think that it's standing out based on those values. So what I think is the kind of magic sauce there is to define your distinct uh, characteristics above the bandwagon effect. So go, yes, absolutely. We do this, 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 and here's how we do it. And here's why that's better without building, tearing down other people, build yourself up above those things. It goes, listen, yeah. If if a label is important, there is only one Supreme. There is only one Apple. Fine. But if you really want to do all these things that you're talking about, maybe a custom Linux box that's over here and does this and does this and does this is just as just as good for you, right? I mean, I, I don't know. It, the, Apple's a tough one because they're so iconic. In Supreme, there's there's no s- second of that. I mean, what else? Uh, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. Um, but <clears throat> I think that's what it is. It's separating yourself based on the, the um, merits of your own service offering or value in this case, right? So I think that's what it's speaking to. Mm-hmm. That's why you would want to overcome it. Not that you can't be, because your services is, again, if, if a store, so my, my dad, um, he owns a company. They, they are a very large um, retailer of coatings. And I don't say paint. Yes, you can go buy five gallons of paint to paint your house or whatever, but they also sell like to the Navy. <laughs> so, you know, it's things like that. Well, when it comes to house paint, they're going to get spanked by the likes of Home Depot. But at Home Depot, you're not going to get the expertise, the service, so on. And they do get spanked on the customer side, or excuse me, on the consumer side. 
because it's not Home Depot. It's not easy like Home Depot. That's not true. It is easy like Home Depot, but it's a store where they sell coatings. You're not going to go there and buy like, you know, tile some a barbecue and like a lawn chair. <laughs> oh, also some paint. <laughs> You're going to go buy paint. You know. So, um, so what they do to set themselves apart is it's customer service. It's if you need this, tell me. We'll get it. This is what we'll do, and then we'll make sure that it is on your doorstep in the most timely manner for the most affordable way and yada, yada, yada. So it's setting yourself above and beyond because everybody's selling the same products in terms of, I mean, even, even Mondo SEO ads, it, 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 frankly, local service ads, everybody, I said this earlier, everybody's playing on the same exact platform, local service ads, Google ads. It's the same platform. The amount of time research and customer service that goes into that is what sets, sets everything apart. That is what I look at overcoming the bandwagon effect as. Well said. Well said. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Let's talk about this final one real quick. Sure. So this is this is a status quo bias. And, and we are, guys, stick with us. We're at an hour, 16 minutes. We're going to get this in quickly. That's what she said. Many psychologists agree that cognitive biases are based on survival instincts. Our fifth and final example, status quo bias, is a prime example of how our need for stability and routine can influence our behavior. Status quo bias is a preference for things to stay relatively unchanged. Individuals experiencing status quo bias often perceive any deviation from the, quote, usual as negative or as a loss, resulting in a strong aversion to change. For marketers, customers with status quo bias can be a real challenge. Individuals experiencing status quo bias are often hesitant to try new products or services out of a fear of loss of resulting from change. They are more resistant to traditional sales techniques and inadvertently loyal even to brands offering inferior service. One of the biggest hurdles to overcome when selling to a prospect with status quo bias is the quote, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. People with this cognitive bias may be extraordinarily reluctant to part with their current service provider, even if they're unhappy as a customer, simply because they don't want to disrupt the status quo. However, if someone with a status quo bias has clicked on one of your ads and ended up on a landing page, you're already partway toward overcoming their fears and converting them. All you have to do is present them with at least one compelling reason to leave their comfort zone. I will say it's not... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's fear of missing out. And that's what you have to establish with people. Um, it goes, yeah, listen, you've been with this company. They're delivering in the, I mean, we see this in marketing, right? We see this in software. It's, you go, you've been with this company. They are showing you a 1.25x ROI. So you're making 25% of your money on top of your um, outlay. Great. Fantastic. What if you could double that? You know, and then what if you, and again, this, this goes to, I think, continuing to evolve. I think it's not just continuing to evolve things like keywords and what have you, but it's continuing to evolve, um, where you're spending your marketing dollars and your marketing energy. If, if, I mean, I certainly <laughs> three months ago, somebody went, I'm going to drop a crap load of money into Instagram threads. And then a week later, they were like, <laughs> never mind, <laughs> right? But they tried. I'm 100% people lost money marketing on threads. Um, and the three people that still use threads are definitely not <laughs> clicking on ads. Well done, Zuck. So yeah, I uh, forgot it existed. 
Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's the the not just the ability to, but the willingness to step outside to see what works. And and again, I will point to the contracts that tend to exist. Marketing is infamous, I will say, for having these contracts where you go, nope, we're going to do these things for 12 months. If you want to change it, it's going to be an increase in your contract, or it's going to be a completely new contract or whatever, but it, you're going to pay for it. And that sucks. I mean, that's part of the fear. That's because you know there's going to be a penalty for that. And I mean, I think the company's they, they bank on that. They go, well, if we scare them into this confirmation bias, or, or in this case, status quo bias, uh, we're not going to go anywhere. Fortunately, all those things will out in the end. There are agencies, just speaking in marketing, there are agencies and products out there that we know there's, sure, you make may make money in the short term. I mean, dude, five years ago, there were, you could start, you could start your own marketing agency today. And I can tell you how today, um, and it is not a secret. It's not like some sort of trade secret that somebody's going to be a big boy, put on their big boy pants and threaten you with a lawyer. This is a well-known thing because there are companies that sell these products. You go start your marketing agency today and know jack squat about marketing. All you're doing is selling the product to a target audience. That's all it is. Um, but in the end, people are going to figure you out. I, I, in fact, Jordan, I had a, <laughs> prospect or client i won't name who it is but you probably know who it is and we talked in february i think so it's now september 2023 we talked in february and they were like i said here's here's what things cost this is what it is and they were like okay 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 and they kind of they passed they were like oh no we got this guy over here everybody's let me tell you something there should be a bias in here called the we got a guy bias get the out of here i'm just telling <laughs> everybody's got a guy or my IT guy is going to do my website. Okay. <laughs> so they got a guy and they went and through since February, or well, since March, I guess, until two weeks ago through uh, 2,500 bucks a month at this guy they had plus ad spend. And guess what? He was taking it and he was selling it. I don't want to say selling. He was going through a third party service provider who was actually doing the SEO work or the ad work or the social work, whatever it is. And they were taking the money and run. And they lost, <coughs> they got no marketing. They may have gotten some copy on their website, but they got no, no ads. They got no long-term SEO content, nothing. They got nothing. So uh, they'll, they're back. So they reached out last week and they were like, hey, <laughs> I was like, hey, listen, for free, I'll throw in some humble pie on this deal. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, anyway, how to overcome status quo bias. So in his best spelling book, The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, uh, Perry Marshall explains that writing ad copy that promotes a feature of your product is a mistake. According to Perry, people don't care about what your product does. They want to know how it will solve their problem. They want to be treated like a human, by the way. Jordan and I were talking about this before we fired up the mics. Highlighting the emotional payoff in your ads can convince even the most hesitant prospect to click. And this principle can also be applied to your landing pages. So we had a, we had a client, um, again, I won't say who it is, but they're, they do outdoor living spaces, right? So whether it's like a outdoor kitchen or deck or whatever it is. 
And you could talk about, oh, we use this board and we use this frame and the board they use is TimberTech, which is TimberTech is far and away better than Trex and decorators and all these other companies and very high end, very, very high end product. which it's and we live here in Colorado, so it's firewise as they call it because it's if it if there's a fire, it's not going to like burst into flame. It's going to uh, retard the flame and things like this. Well, he and I were talking, and I said, you know, the thing you have to sell when when you're when people land on the website isn't those things. Yes, that's important, and yes, that should live somewhere on a website. But what it should really be is, hey, listen, this is a family. This is a family that likes to spend out time outside. This grandmother and grandfather spent their entire lives saving so they could buy this property, which has three acres of space, and they want to have this amazing outdoor space because they've got six grandkids. And here's what they get to do. They get to go under this tree right here that is on this little extension of their deck. They've got a fire pit there, and they get to, which would be a terrible design for a fire pit, but they get, <laughs> they get a fire pit over here. They can gather around that thing. They can spend time as a family. They can, we live in Colorado where we, we talk about 300 days of sunshine a year. And, and quite frankly, even when it's cold, people use their outdoor space, right? Because Colorado is very, very sunny. It can be 60 degrees in January. No problem for those people. I'm just kidding. It's very cold. Don't move here. <laughs> but like, it can be very nice outside. So you want to use your outdoor space as a four season space. So that's how we marketed that is let's talk about how this affects your life, affects your life. How does this make you able to enjoy? You get up in the morning you want to have your cup of coffee at a nice brisk morning. It's in the 40s, beginning to be in the 40s now. You step out on your deck. You sit on the chaise that's built into the side there. You maybe turn on your little fire pit there, which is clearly not under a tree because that would be a terrible idea. You have your cup of coffee while watching some deer scamper somewhere and eat something. <laughs> these, these are the things. You're, you're talking about here's how this is going to affect your life and even marketing. You go, listen, you guys, you're busy running your business. You're you're busy, this this HVAC guy. You're you're busy running your business. You're busy literally bidding out how much is this ductwork gonna cost, how much does this thing cost? Where's the next contract coming from? I gotta worry about this service guy, this commercial guy, all these things. This guy over here didn't do their job. Now I gotta fire him and he is responsible for all these things, and now I have to backfill this gap. The last thing you're thinking about is marketing. But if you don't think about marketing, you're not going to have any revenue coming in the door. So a company like Mondo steps in and goes, hey, listen, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. You don't have to do that. We're going to be your outsourced, your actual, real, experienced, outsourced CMO. Not somebody who said, oh, we'll be your outsourced CMO. We'll take care of all these things and then we're going to outsource it to India. That's not the way that works. No offense, India. This is, this is how that works. It's coming in and speaking to the things that are going to affect their life because you go, hey, business owner of this HVAC company, amongst all these other things where marketing is last place, but you still try to do it, when do you spend time with your kids? And that's what matters. How do these things affect the people's lives and get them to set aside that status quo bias and look at what really is going to affect the way that they do business? Mic drop, except for it's on a stand, so I can't drop it. Don't touch run. <laughs> you animal. Yeah, every time I see somebody mic drop on stage, even if it's Obama, maybe especially if it's Obama, I'm like, no, yeah. please. That microphone. There's a lot of engineering that was put into that. It's probably designed to withstand a lot. Anyway, my point is um, you crushed it. I couldn't add any, anything more, really. I just wanted to to reiterate 
uh, when it comes to landing pages, when it comes to marketing in general, trust trust is key. Being transparent, you mm-hmm. know, having wording that matches with the intent of the searcher, you know, al- aligning your landing page, aligning your campaigns, wherever they may be, whatever platform they're on, with with that raw emotional. What can this do for you? How will it change your life? And just being as clear as possible. That is what's going to increase your conversions. That's what's going to increase loyalty for your brand. You know, repeat 100%. customers. 100%. Yeah. Anywho, I think that's about it on biases, cognitive biases. These five, there are more than 100, as they said at the outset of this, right? So... Go research. And then also, the, again, there's logical fallacies. That's a very, you have to look at your business through all these different ways. And you have to look at marketing broadly writ through all these different ways. I mean, we're, we are kind of speaking to business owners. And I feel like that's that's because that's what Mondo does is sell to its B2B, right? I mean, so within that, don't be afraid to, well, not to, <laughs> this is going to be a pain in the ass for Jordan. Don't be afraid to, Take your marketing customer success person to task. Say, hey, can, and it's not, you don't have to be a prick about it. Like, don't be an asshole. That Why are you going to do that? You want that person to be your advocate because they could easily burn through your cash without telling you the real deal. But try to understand. I get it. I just outlined this person who's spending all this time doing all these things. They don't have time to, time to worry about marketing. But if they could take five minutes uh, once a week, to just, especially with somebody that's as talented as somebody like Jordan, who's going to be able to distill the information that they've seen over that last week into a clear and concise uh, snapshot of what your marketing is doing, pay attention. Like, allow yourself to compartmentalize the marketing and go, okay, I get it. And ask a question. Hold on, this doesn't make any sense. Tell me why what I'm seeing over here. <clears throat> I think that's key. And revisit. Don't be afraid to pivot outside of your comfort zone, overcome the the biases that we've talked about here today by going, hey, you know what? Let's look at what these keywords are going to do over here. And and by the way, look at trends. I look at Google Trends all the time when we're talking about marketing. People get in and I go, what are people searching for? When are they searching for it? Is there a particular season they're searching for it? HVAC is a great example. But if you're a B2B business, if you're marketing, marketing, like Mondo's marketing itself, it may be that people are looking for their marketing spend. When is the average fiscal year end in a small business? Is it the end of October? Possibly. Are they on calendar year? Maybe. And when your fiscal year ends, that's when you're going to kind of define what your next year's budget is, what have you. So maybe you can get into the door if everybody is ending their fiscal year, generally speaking, in October. I don't know if they are or not. I'm just saying in October, you go in, okay, well, the majority of businesses under this many headcount, they end their fiscal year in October, we should be talking in August so that we can prep everything, we can line them up for what their budget's going to be, and then a month later, close them as a client. Understand all those things. Revisit where things go based on trends because history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. So take a look at what's going on out there. <laughs> Ba-boom. No, there's, there's nothing to add. I will let Brandon's words... <laughs> Echo and reverberate through the Grand Canyons and out into right. the Nether Worlds uh, forever yes. and ever. The Nether Regions. <laughs> Guys, Jordan, firstly, thank you so much for your for your co-hosting duties today, buddy. Hey, you're welcome. It's a pleasure, as it. always, and an honor. 
as always. Uh, next week is going to be episode 27. I almost said 127, but that's not true. Episode 27. 20, wait, 29. 29. No, we're going to 29, baby. It's yeah. almost going to be 30. We can rent a car for cheaper and everything now. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, please again, subscribe. Don't forget. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, and by the way, Jordan, did you see we got an email for somebody that wants to come on the show? No way. Yes. I'll send it to you. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> if there is somebody that you would like to hear on our show, uh, somebody that is in marketing, somebody that's a, quite frankly, somebody that's even as a business owner that has really leaned into how they're marketing that business. If you know Esteban Supreme, get that MF to come on the show. Cause I'd love to hear what he did. I don't know if it's Esteban. So I'm pretty <laughs> it's sure like it's Susan. That, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had to look. Now, now, can you hear while I talk? Yeah, look yeah, up yeah. who founded you, you, Supreme. You yeah. If it's Joe Supreme, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> um, James, but yeah, Gibbia. please, yeah. please subscribe to what we do. Subscribe to the Mondo Solution Podcast. Again, find it on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Overcast, which is what I use. I think Jordan uses that as well. Um, wherever you use it, please do subscribe. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you have questions, we'll, we will link to the article here um, down in the show notes. Uh, and we want to hear emails from you. Please send an email to podcast at trimondo.com. We would greatly appreciate it. Any any news on Esteban Supreme over no, there? No, it's, it's James, James Jabaya. Was born in '63. Wow, what, what, I, I don't, I don't get it. But okay, yeah. Good job, James Jabaya. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I will say, if you're still using Stitcher, it shut down at the end of last month. So um, you should probably uninstall and move on to Overcast, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, Jordan, thank you so Brandon. much today, sir. Yeah, appreciate you. Thank you, all of our beautiful, smart, intelligent listeners. And even the not so beautiful, smart, or intelligent ones, we love you too. <laughs> Just kidding. God loves you all. You're all beautiful. All right, kids. We'll see you next time. Episode 28 of the Mono Solution. Out. Out.